Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. So I started as an artist when I, I started working when I was eight as a performer, actor, voiceover, singer. I was doing, you know, plays in musical theater in Los Angeles. I was doing some television and I was pursuing being an artist and a recording artist. Um, I started writing songs and, you know, my first demo, which is a real record because there was no, there was no such thing as a studio in your house back then. Right. So I would record after one in the morning because the, the prices of the studio dropped. So I, I used to sing in one in the morning and try to do it in three takes because, you know, I'm paying by the hour here and I'm 14 years old. At that time, there was no such thing as YouTube and teenage artists. So I was 15 and they're like, what do we do with the white girl who sounds so soulful and mature? We don't know how to market this. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Wendy, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I'm so glad to be here. It is my pleasure to have you here. So I found out about you uh, because you've been a listener of the podcast and you wrote in and it's always uh, one nice to hear when listeners are doing such amazing things that they end up becoming guests. But it's also always surprising because I'm always blown away by the level of sort of talent and um, you know, interesting skill that is out there in our community. I think that, you know, together, the group of podcast listeners here could potentially do things that uh, could change the world and solve problems that have taken decades to solve in a matter of weeks if we all did it together. I love that. So I want to start by asking you, what uh, is one of the most important things that you learned for one or both of your parents that have influenced and shaped who you've become and what you've done with your life? Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. That is a big question. And I would say I've learned, I learned, <laughs> I learned by example of, you know, what, what works and what doesn't. Right. So, um, a hundred percent take risks and be a little lawless, you know, don't, mm. don't follow all the rules. My mom definitely does not follow all the rules and I can see it in my, my brothers and I as well. And, you know, as long as I'm not hurting anybody, it's, it, it's cool. Please don't. Like, mm -hmm. you know, find, find your own path, do your thing, take risks. Um, one of the things she's so talented at is interior design and landscaping. Like, and I would see her 
and I, I see it in myself. I see it in my clothing. I see it in, you know, my style choices. Um, and I know that, you know, from the time I was a kid, like I would wear clothes and she's like, what are you doing? Or I remember when I was eight and being insulted for wearing hot pink and red. But when I was 23 and I wore it and uh, Andre Leon Talley saw me, he looked me up and down and smiled. And two weeks later, the colors of the season were hot pink and red. So eight-year-old me had fashion style and taste, <laughs> even if the world didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. So I saw that with her design, you know, I would watch her do something for somebody and every, every design she did was their style, not hers. You know, she would do a, mm-hmm. a, a, a interior for them that wasn't, she wouldn't do it for herself, but she, she was doing it for their taste. But what was always there was her risks, was her putting things together that other people would be like, wow, that's bold. Or, you know, she was definitely not, you know, beige. And um, I've I've had people say to me, oh, Wendy, only you could pull that off, like whatever I'm wearing, you know, and, yeah. and it is that it's that risk taking. It's that why not put patterns together? Why not do, you know, why not do whatever the thing is your heart is pushing you to do? Break the rules. Yeah. What about your dad? That's a good one, too. Um, I definitely got the work hard side on, on his side. I mean, my mom has energy for days, so it's not that there's a difference there. Um, if I would say if anything, I would learn to like enjoy life more. I think he had, he's, I have, I get a little bit of the worry side, I think from him and I, I practice like, and I want to worry less and enjoy more. So I practice, Uh you know, can I respond with more joy? Can I respond with more joy? Can I respond with more ease? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that what struck me in particular about the advice you got from your mom is that's not conventional advice from a parent to a kid is to take risks and be a little lawless. And I know what you mean by lawless, not, you know, breaking the law per se. Uh, But I think that one of the things that strikes me as, as interesting about humans in general is that as we get older, our tolerance for risk declines. And of course, there's reasonable justifications for that because sure. as you you know have kids have families you have responsibilities where the consequences of the risks become much bigger if you know things blow up in your face mm-hmm. and at the same time i think that the there's this distinction that i i see between perceived risk and real risk mm-hmm. and i i wonder why you think that one we lose that capacity for risk but then we start to turn perceived risks into real ones. Oh, God. I mean, there's a biology to our fear, right? Like fear saves us uh, and then survival. So um, I think, we, again, we have to practice leaning, you know, being aware of our fears, but leaning away from them and towards our desires or towards our passions or towards, um, towards those risks. Um, and, and as I've heard it said, she, you know, she shouldn't, she certainly didn't tell me to be, to take risks, although maybe she did, but she showed me, right. When I was a kid, she'd take me out of school and say, Hey, come with me for the day. We're going to San Francisco. I'm going to go, you know, shopping for a client. Um, so as long as I did well in school and I was, I was, you know, advancing there, it was totally cool to cut school. So I did, I did a lot of that. So, so I think, you know, there was that, that was that balance of like, yes, do well, succeed. Um, and that's a risk too, right? Uh, if you're risking something, if you, if you don't follow that, that stay, stay in line, so to speak. Um, 
Yeah, I think, I mean, we know that fear is built in, right? Like fear is built to save our lives in the jungle. Um, and we still have that fear reaction. You know, when you stare at your phone uh, for too long or just in general uh, and your computer as well, our body has a fight or flight reaction to it because our eyes are so focused on something small and specific. So it's actually essential that you get up, move your body and let your eyes go very peripheral, very wide, like taking a walk. It's one of the ways we decompress is because of the way your eyes see the world. And, you know, people aren't aware of the fact, that's something I've learned recently, that just looking at your phone puts your nervous system into fight or flight. That's horrible. That's why people are so stressed out. So we need to, you know, we need to learn some of these things and practice ways to lean away from our fears and again, I'm I'm just a person who's always followed passions, who all who I'm very driven by purpose. And um, you know, I get an idea, I get a vision, I get a creative thing. I'm like, oh God, let's make that happen. We gotta make it happen. Um, and I believe in that. I believe that without that, you know, we wouldn't have innovation. And without this, I think it, to a certain extent when we talk about risks, you know, humans have to feel a bit infallible or immortal, or we wouldn't ever leave the house. So I think that's also part of our design that like, it's going to be okay. We're going to, we can do it. We'll be fine. You would never get in a car. We'd never, no one would have built an airplane and gotten into it. No one would jump off a cliff, you know? So I think both things are there and we, we need to learn to harness the power of each of them. And when, when, when some, when is something appropriate, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So what uh what has been the trajectory of of your career and uh you know like i think a lot of parents this is something that i wonder about when it comes to careers in the arts my dad talked me out of a career in music which i haven't mentioned before and i'm glad he did because i knew that the you know constraints of being a tour player were pretty significant since you'd have to wait for somebody to die for a job to open up <laughs> uh but it, the thing is that sometimes i wonder you know particularly when we're talking about risk how parents can avoid uh, passing on their own sort of limiting beliefs about risk and their own fears to their kids when they encourage them to do things. And then what in the world led you down this trajectory of working with some of these iconic artists that you've worked with? It's interesting you're talking about parents because I'm I'm a new parent. So my partner and I just had, okay. well, she had twins. Um, and so I've got, uh, they're almost three months old. Uh, so it's interesting you're talking about parents and 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 raising kids. Um, you know, I, I definitely don't have the answer. How do we not pass things on to our kids? I think, I think inevitably we do. Um, but if we're conscious, we can both work on how we live in the world and walk in the world so that they see that. And then we own up to things when we make an error, you know, you own up to it, you, you call it out, you say it. Um, and that lets, you know, your kids see like, Oh, she did that, but actually she, you know, She's not super thrilled about it and she's making a pivot, you know, things like that. Um, it's very, you know, I, I do think this has changed a lot, right? If you look at at our history, you know, we, we came from children should be seen and not heard to today. Kids are, you know, changing the world and doing apps and, you know, um, uh, we parents, you know, often give their kids, I think, too much of the say in, in, in something, right? You're, you're, you're there to guide them. But I think we recognize more and more, I certainly hope so, that as parents, we're here to introduce them to the world and help them be amazing people, help them to be themselves. 
Whereas I think a generation back and two generations back, you know, people were often saw their kids as an extension of themselves and you're going to live the life I want you to live. But that's, I mean, they're here to be them. Like my, I got twins, you know, boy and a girl, and they were different in utero and they're different uh, already. Like you can see differences in the way they behave, the way they respond. He's like this super chill little Buddha dude and she's fiery. Um, and I'm excited just to introduce them to everything I possibly can and see where their interests lie and support their process. I was very fortunate that my parents supported my process of, you know, my passion for music, my love for singing, and they were cool with that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Dance class, take dance class. Voice, You, I, I found a voice teacher. I want to take voice. Okay, we support that. And so I had a, I got to follow my talents and my passions and, and desires. I'm very grateful for that. It's how I have a career, how I have the career I have. Um, but I think that that's very important that we're here to support them, give them, you know, strong tools to be good people, have emotional intelligence, you know, think for themselves and, um, you know, hopefully just be here to be a really strong safe haven for them. Um, but I, it's funny. Cause yeah, I think if people are like, Oh, I don't want you to have a career in music. It's hard. Being a brain surgeon is hard. I think I think life is going to be challenging no matter what path you take. A hundred percent. That's like the job of life is to give you challenges, throw them at you, and and help you and and give you a chance to overcome them. But if you're if you're not into whatever it is you're living and doing, you're going to suffer through your life. You're going to hate it, and it's very hard to be motivated to do something you don't really enjoy doing. You need so much motivation to accomplish anything. You better be loving whatever you're doing. So. And there, there is a, a life to be had, uh, um, success. I mean, what is success? First to find that is success uber, uber wealthy or is success being joyful, happy, having good people in your life, being a kind person, having a positive impact in the world. You know, so you can be, you can have any type of job and have success if, if you're looking at, you know, what your definition of success is, um, but success to me would be my kid being super happy in the world and, and doing something good in the world, just contributing in a positive way. Um, so if you're passionate about being a brain surgeon, you will have the stamina to go through that process, which takes what over a decade, right? So, um, yeah. yeah, exactly. And longer. Yeah, exactly. And apparently horrible, like 72 hours being awake, which I find insane, like how you're building a good doctor. Oh, one of my very good friends from college is a Harvard neurosurgeon. So oh trust me, I know he's one of the few friends where I'm like, I hear from him once every six months and I don't look down up down on him for it. And yeah. he just finished his fellowship this year and we graduated from college in 2000. Oh my gosh. Wow. So well, I'm, I'm, he, I think he had a seven year residency. If I, remember. I mean, he did take a few years off in between, but he okay. literally just finished recently. Hey, if somebody's going to be drilling into somebody's skull, I want them to be really well educated and experienced before they do it. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, my point you is both. Yeah, exactly. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. But my point is like you need so much, like what gets you up in the morning? What, what are you crazy about? Like I have a, a beautiful dance teacher in um, India and she, you know, she was surprised by me when I called her and said, I would like to study uh, Mohini Atham with you. And I'm from, you know, the United States, but I'm here for 10 days. And she thought this was a joke because I'm in, I'm in, you know, Mumbai for 10 days because, uh, well, there are 10 more days to my stay at that point. Um, but that was, as it turned out, the beginning of a three years of, of, of living in Mumbai, uh, for about half the year. Meanwhile, she's thinking, you know, I'm a joke. And she said, well, you know, if you want to come on back on Monday, come on Monday. I showed up on Monday and I was there every day after that. And my stay extended. I was there. And when I came back for two months, I was there. I, I danced with her about six days a week for, you know, three years. And, um, and I heard her once, you know, on the phone with a, a mother calling for her child, uh, wanting to take dance. And she asked her, you know, does she, does she have the madness? You know, and, and I don't know if that was her exact word, but it was like, you know, is she crazy about it? Does she have the madness? And the mom was like, you know what? And she's like, does all she think about dance? Does she just want to move? Because if this is what she wants to do, you have to have that much passion for it, right? And I get it. I get why she said that. You know, in the music industry, this the business is not the art and you've got to be crazy about what you're doing. You've got to love it. It takes seven to 10 years to, to find your voice as an artist. And that is in any type of art, painting, filmmaking. Like, it takes time to find your voice and how do I communicate through the medium that I'm in? 
you know, when you're, when you're singing, there's, okay, there's you and your voice, but then there's the lyrics to your songs and then there's the arrangement and the band to your songs. And then there's the production of your song. And then there's the stage performance. And then there's, how do I record on a mic? How do I, like, what's my tone? And it's, it's, it's finding everything that is, how do I express me in the world? And again, we live in a world that continues to tell everybody to, there's one way to be, this is what's beautiful. Uh, this is what's acceptable. And so we have to fight through all of that as well to find our voice, right? So, you know, like I said, I, I had style when I was a kid. I grew up, I, I'd get dressed and my mom would say, you're going to go out in that? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. And thank goodness for myself that I said, yes, I am. You know, despite you you telling me it's awful, despite you not locking my clodhopper shoes, you know, I'm like, yes, I am wearing this. Yes, I am wearing uh, cut off t-shirts as a skirt, you know, <laughs> so, uh, when I'm 13, you know, so it takes so much time to find your voice, to, to find the opportunities to play live to, you know, it just anything you do takes that ex- just incredible dedication. So I truly believe you got to wake up loving what you do. And, and, and then you, and then it doesn't, you know, we've heard it said, you know, when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work and it's true. And there are days it will, you know, because if you're a performing artist, a lot of your time is spent networking and doing press. And right now it's doing social media, which is, you know, the bane of many artists existence because we're not designed to make egg, make content all the time. Like that's, that's just, we're not output machines. We, we need input days. We need rest days. We need snowboarding days. We need, um, you know, just to be outputting all the time is not cool. Also what you're outputting, you know, a musician wants to make music. They, what are they doing? Making up skits and, and it's, uh, and, you know, some of the platforms are really designed to follow trends. Artists are designed to be trendsetters. Again, break the rules, find your voice. You are the trendsetter. So if you're looking at a platform that's about get on the trend so that you can be found, that is counterproductive uh, to being an artist. Yeah. I, well, I couldn't agree more. I always say you want to set, start trends and I'll follow them. Yes. Uh, so I, I couldn't help but uh, notice, and I didn't want to let this go, that you mentioned that you have a same-sex partner. And yes. I wondered about what the experience of coming out to your parents was like. Um, and then also how it changes the dynamics of the rest of your life, the things that all of us do, like raising a family, having kids. How is that different than, um, you know, if you're in a relationship that's not with the same sex partner. Oh my gosh. That's such a huge question. And I, I don't know that I would have yeah. all the answers as I'm not, I'm not in a heterosexual relationship. Right. So I can compare yeah, it. To so I, I guess I really see, what I want right? to understand is what our misperceptions are that we oh. see based on media and culture. You know, oh. how do we, but yeah, I'd like to hear about the experience of coming out to your parents. That's uh, very interesting. Yeah. That's Hmm. There's so much, like I've learned so much in the last few years and have new understanding of my own experiences in the world. Like things that I I didn't necessarily realize or attribute to the factors that really made them what they were until more recently. And I'm going, oh, that's what that was, you know? Oh, oh, that's uh, one of my colleagues. So I was, I was on a, I was a founder of a, a organization. We trained teachers around the world and I was the only female of, this, I think there were seven of us that founded it. And I'm the, I was the youngest and the only female. And I had the longest experience with our mentor that we were developing this uh, program for. So uh, 
I was often the only voice of dissent. I was often the only person who would speak up and say, you know, here's my conflict with that, or this is why I don't agree with that choice. Here's how I think it could be. Uh, we would serve our, the teachers better, you know, and I find that interesting that, uh, I mean, number one, I was often, and an being a female in the music industry, and, and I think actually most industries, right? There's many times where we are the only female in the room, you know, and this is not because the world is horrible. This is because of history. You know, women have not been in the workforce as long. We're, there's still many firsts happening, right? And then add add a minority to that, and it's the first Black woman doing this ever. That's because of our history, right? And give us 10, 20 more years, and there, it won't be any firsts anymore. It will just be everybody doing everything. But we need time to get there. Um, so I don't say that with anger. It's just it's just going to be factual, right? Um, but I, I was just accustomed to being the only female in the room for a long time. Um, but later I realized, oh yeah, my sort of my my need to interrupt, <laughs> my need to like sort of be strong and and um, maybe even sometimes come off angry. Uh, had to do with the fact that I was the only female in the room. And so more from to, to get my voice to be heard, I had to speak up and I had to speak up strongly and I had to repeat myself. And, and maybe at the time I didn't notice it, but in, in hindsight and reflection, I was able to. Um, so in that case, it, I think that that was sometimes harder. Um, for sure. Uh, I think that there are times when, because I'm not, uh, I wasn't, I'm not in the boys club. There were things that are opportunities that didn't come to me um, because I wasn't hanging with the guys or, or maybe they couldn't see me as the person to invite to hang with the guys. So I think that that also happened in, in terms of business. Cause I would see male colleagues um, have access to things that I didn't. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm still very, I'm very grateful. I have a successful career. I'm still working on amazing things. I'm so proud of. Um, but for sure, I saw that. Um, I once had, I once had potentially I was going to go on tour with an artist and they were reluctant, um, because I'm a female and they knew that the male artist, um, would sexually harass women. And so they were reluctant. I was like, first of all, they're not going to pull that with me. I'm not here for that. I'm here to support them, like help their career, their performance. Like, I, I don't know. I don't play with that. So you want me to sign something? I'm it's fine, but they're not going to pull that with me. Like you, you don't look at me and say, Oh, let me try that. Um, but I, I didn't go on tour with that artist. Right. And I, and again, fine. Like, would I have enjoyed that experience? Is uh, questionable. So, <laughs> so there's, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of partnership, um, I am so, so grateful and, and people who know me and friends and clients and colleagues who've known me for so long, um, they all say the same thing. They're like they've never seen you happier, Wendy. Um, and that's I'm I am experiencing so many firsts in my life being in a relationship with someone who is really incredible and mature and it's a an adult conscious relationship. You know, we both say, Oh, I wish we met you ten years ago, but neither of us would have been the same person ten years ago. We wouldn't have this relationship. So it, every day is a first in terms of my experience with her and then now with kids, I mean, every day watching the kid just 
be in awe of the world and notice something new and, and watching their cognitive skills kick in. And it's really amazing. <laughs> um, and yeah, how is it different? I mean, it's definitely different. Um, but for so far and for the most part, again, I, I have, I have clients right now who are having babies at the same time and a colleague just did and we're texting and, and, this music manager, we we are just we just started working together with an artist, so we don't we just started to know each other. I haven't even met them in person yet, um, but here we are texting because he just had a baby, and we're chatting about how are you doing and and relating to things, and that's an that's another whole layer of you know beautiful connection, and it's and it's a very honest one. You know, this is it's a very human one, not honest. It's it's, it's such a human and vulnerable one because here we are talking about how, you know, being a parent is everything all at once. You know, it's fragility, it's vulnerability, it's awe-inspiring. It's it's more love than you've... I mean, when, when the babies were born and I first saw them, I was hit by a wave of love that I've never experienced. And it was just, I just cried on, like, it was so powerful and, and awing. And so to connect with a manager, and here we are just texting about, isn't it just everything? And so we're, we're relating on such a human level and that's a beautiful way to connect to people. Meanwhile, it's also COVID. As so part- we have met very few parents. <laughs> <laughs> as far as coming out to family ah, members. Yes. You asked me, I'm sorry. How, how do you approach that conversation? Because I I've heard multiple versions of this where one is, uh, you know, I am completely estranged from my parents. I remember Steve Goldstein who we had here, uh, who wrote this amazing book about what, you know, the power of what makes people like you and, you know, from Hollywood to, to wall street, mm. uh, he ended up having an estranged relationship. But then on the flip side of that, you know, I've had people like Jennifer Brown who said that, you know, it wasn't easy, nothing was easy, but it didn't, you know, destroy the relationship mm. that, you know, she had with her family. Uh, sorry, you did ask me that question and I didn't answer. So sorry for that. Um, so, oh, it's such a big question and it, it it definitely has to do with coming out, but it also has to do with just my family was already um, or in, an, in, in its own totality, a very challenging experience. Just, um, my family was very like broken from the start. It was very volatile. So there's all of that in addition to my being queer. Um, I got kicked out of my house. I, um, I was estranged. Well, it was, I don't say strange. I, I didn't let my mom stop talking to me is pretty much how it worked, but it was just a struggle for a long, long time. And then, um, uh, there were, there were a few, like, she, you know, she wouldn't call me cause I lived with my partner at the time. So she wouldn't call my house. And, um, and you know, my mom would say, that's not true. I did. And she didn't. And then, you know, but, but again, some of this has to do with my being queer and some of it doesn't. Um, cause we just have, our family has its own challenging dynamics. And I think, I think my family has struggled to be a family and be connected in general. Um, but yes, my being queer was like a line in the sand that my mom was like drawing. Like, you know, I came, I said, I'm gay. And she said, how could you do this to me? So unfortunately it was for her, um, 
I think, a ref, you know, she saw it as a poor reflection on herself or something. It was, I, I think it was not the vision she saw of me. And that was the problem. If I had said I'm blue, if I had said I'm, actually, if I had said I want to go be a mathematician instead of a singer, she probably would have been like, what? You can't do that. You know, I want you to be a singer. So it's just sort of one of the layers. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid in our house, there was a big staircase and every person who walked in would say, oh, I could just see Wendy coming down in her wedding gown down the staircase. Now, every time they do it, I'd want to throw up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that that was the bigger part of it. My my stepfather, you know, he was fine with it. He said like what we would have said about being an artist. He just said, oh, I just don't want your life to be hard. And, and I was like, dad, life's hard anyway, but if this just has, if I'm happy loving the person I love, then I'm going to be happy. You know, trying to deny that, fight that, ignore that would be worse. And, um, so I think, and so, and he was, he was, I think he was more okay with it for sure, but he, he was a teammate with my mom. So, um, it, it was a very hard line in the sand and, you know, it's a phase. They sent me to therapy to get straight. That was horrible. Uh, I've and- heard about this. I've heard there's like this entire movement of, uh, I don't remember what it was called. Like, I remember there's a documentary about this on mm-hmm. Netflix. Yeah. Thankfully, my version was more mild. It was just a therapist in Los Angeles. And after speaking with them for some time, you know, they brought my parents back, you know, for a session. And the therapist said, I think Wendy doesn't know if she's gay. And I, I was like, have you been listening to me? <laughs> so I was like, are you just doing this to like get paid some more? Or I mean, to me, that was crazy. I'm like, you're absolutely crazy. And clearly not a healer. Like you're not here to help anybody. Um, so it, it was, it was definitely hard. It was definitely rough. Um, it also, you know, for example, you know, being cut off. I've been taking care of myself since I'm, well, I mean, since I'm a kid, I've looked after myself a lot, but since I'm a teenager, I got kicked out of the house. I've been financially taking care of myself. And there was obviously a struggle. Like there was a time when, you know, I went to the market we bought one tomato, one onion, a bag of rice. We bought things to cook one meal, you know, not stock the fridge. And, um, but it was also, the most independent time of my life. It was also me making every choice for myself. And, um, and so I've learned so much and I gained so much and I, I got a lot of gratitude during that time and understanding and, and, and courage for myself. Like every choice I got to make was not dictated by anyone else. Uh, and that was autonomy. So I started to learn that. And for everything, you know, I do believe everything in life, the, the, the traumas I've experienced, the the pains I've experienced, I can see the, I'll say the benefits of them as well. You know, I went to, I forget the count, but I think I went to 11 schools between kindergarten and college. I think it was 11, um, which is a lot of instability, which is a lot of change. But it also means I literally walk up to strangers and can talk to them and say, hi, I can be in a room of people I don't know and make a friend. And I, in fact, have friends that I met. Um, I have a friend in New York that we met at the Basquiat Art Show. 
I just, I, I loved her hat, her jacket, walked up and said, you are super cool. I love your style. We started talking and we consistently, you know, we're friends. We, we have dinner every time I'm in New York, which I, I used to live there. Um, we're in touch. You know, I'm, I'm right now developing a TV show with a guy that I met walking down the street in Los Angeles. Same thing. I stopped him. Caroline, my, <laughs> we were walking and I said, hold on a second. She said, you're going to go talk to that stranger, aren't you? So I am one second. <laughs> and I went, I was like, I love your pants. That I, I want your outfit. Where, who are you? Like, and we just started chatting and his name's Nick. And we had tea like a week or two later and our tea turned into this incredible three hour conversation. And in it, he very, you know, one sentence in there was, oh yeah, I was working on a TV show, but I, I kind of put it aside. And I, and I said, what's the show? And he described it to me. I said, that show has to happen. That's, really special. Uh, let, let me, let me make a couple calls. And now Nick, my friend Medford and uh, his friend, a showrunner, we've now been developing the show that we're about to pitch. That comes from my, that comes from, okay. I'm sure it's a mix of things, but some of it is who I am as a person. Um, some of it is like family trait. I like some of my mom's closest friends. She met sitting at a restaurant and um, some of it is because I went to so many different schools and some of it because of my, like I, w I was put on a plane when I was five years old to go see my grandparents. And so I was flying by myself with like, a, you know, a stewardess kind of looking out for me kind of thing. But it was before you had, it was literally like a five years old sitting in the, like, you have to sit in the front so we can keep an eye on you kind of thing. It was the seventies. There were like, we didn't have seatbelts in the seventies. Um, and that's crazy. Like, I look at my kids. I looked at my niece when she was five and I thought of half the things that I had done when I was five years old. I'm like, are you nuts? I wouldn't put her on a plane by herself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's all See, of us, right? Like half the things I think that my parents let me get away with when I was a kid. I'm like, no kid could do any of that now. Totally. She was six. She was six years old. And I was like, I used to ride my bike across town when I was six years old to go play with my cousins. That's crazy. That being said, I've traveled around the world by myself. And I love it, you know? And again, I think part of that is how I came into the world. And part of that is my experiences in the world. So I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful. And, you know, I, like I said, I strive to be kind. I certainly like, I can have a short temper or I can, I can lose my shit too fast, which I don't enjoy. Like, I don't enjoy the experience of that. That also comes from like a childhood of the sky is falling. And so when something small happens, I will feel like, oh my God, the sky is falling. And it takes adult me a second to be like, it's not, it's okay. It's actually probably going to be better. Just let's hold on. So I would like to adjust, you know, those knee jerk responses so that my life experience is better. Uh, but it's, and it's a practice and there's just this combination of like who you are as a person. And I, I, again, if going back to artistry, I really believe finding your voice and as a person is knowing yourself as a person and it's peeling away the layers of, what have I been told I'm supposed to be? What does the world tell me I have to be? What are some of the things that shape me? And so I, I, my choices are reactionary and not conscious. So I think a lot of it is peeling away, peeling away, peeling away to reveal that kid that if you look at yourself in a photo of when you were two and three and four and five and six, that spirit is you. How do we, how do we let that spirit shine with the maturity and consciousness of an adult? and the wisdom and of the healed adult. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Well, speaking of that spirit, you have you know, one work with some iconic artists, and I, I just caught something in your bio that literally put it your, your smile on my face that I want to come back to. I'll, I'll mention it specifically in a second here, but you worked with people like Sarah Bareilles, uh, so in your own career first you know what have been sort of the dips and the low points where you know things didn't look great um and, and you know during that 7 to 10 year period in which you're finding your voice as an artist how do you stay motivated to to stay the course mm. um so i started as an artist when i i started working when i was 8 as a performer actor voiceover singer I was doing, you know, plays and musical theater in Los Angeles. I was doing some television and uh, I was pursuing being an artist and a recording artist. Um, 
I started writing songs and, you know, my first demo, which is a real record, because there was no, there was no such thing as a studio in your house back then. Right. So I would record after one in the morning because the, the prices of the studio dropped. So I, I used to sing in one in the morning and try to do it in three takes because, you know, I'm paying by the hour here and I'm 14 years old. So I was pursuing being an artist. My first demo was, you know, Motown was super interested in it. But at that time, there was no such thing as YouTube and teenage artists, right? The, that, the Jackson 5 had kind of been the last version of that, right? And so that was quite a long time before. And I was just a few years before Tiffany and Debbie Gibson when someone was like, hey, I think we could do something here with the teenager, right? So I was 15 and they're like, what do we do with the white girl who sounds so soulful and mature? We don't know how to market this. Um, and when I was 19... 19, about 20, my vocal coach, um, who's a very famous vocal coach, invited me to teach in his studio. And I thought, I said, you know, teach, I don't know how to teach this. And he said, sure you do. You know how I helped your voice. You can help others. And while you're, you know, building your career and developing yourself, you can, um, you know, have a career as a coach and you can help other people. I was like, okay, I'll give that a shot. And who knew, you know, 20 plus years later, it's that I would absolutely love it. Like I love empowering other people. I love helping them soar and shine. Um, I am still a songwriter and I write for artists and with artists. I've, you know, as most people in any art, uh, my career has, has so many different cur curves and, and, and twists and turns. And I've, I've been a music supervisor on a film where we wrote all the original music and I produced that uh, with the, my co-producer and, um, I've gotten to tour the world as a coach. Uh, it, it's, it's incredible. There's so many things. And my voice as both an artist, my voice as a coach was found again. My process of being an artist led me to my experiences and the, the pitfalls that I, I experienced. I wanted to help other artists with, um, for me and then training teachers. I spent 10 years training teachers. And similarly, like what I teach teachers, I find they fall into the same pitfall, which is, um, and speaking of Sarah Bareilles, like she gave me a little piece of my philosophy that while I was learning my own philosophy, right? Like I was finding my voice as a coach. I, I remember I was having this session with her and I said, there's a, there's a piece of this philosophy I haven't found yet. It, I, I haven't discovered it yet. It, it, and then, and she actually gave it to me that day, that moment. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the piece that I've been missing. Thank you. And, and what it, what it was. So as an artist, I came up uh, uh, in like R&B. R&B is not my genre. It's not my thing. But the first 20 years <laughs> of my life, I was singing R&B. And I would go to church and yeah. sing. And um, it, I'm, I'm very soulful, but I'm not an R&B singer. But I, I came through that, influenced to that to find my way, right? And then I started studying and add my personality to the cues that I was getting um, and, and, and to what many of us fall into is I started to lose my love for singing and music. I started hating singing. I started hating music. My voice did not sound good. I was like, I have a beautiful voice. How come I sound terrible? And what I discovered was uh, I was caught up in all the things that I was being told I'm supposed to sound like, be like, this is what a good voice is. This is how you have to sing. This is the right way to sing. And again, if you're an artist, that is not lawless, right? There's no right way to sing if you're an artist. There's your way to sing. There's technical ways that will help you sing 
easier, longer, last on tour. And actually with good technique, you can expand your style, but we don't want to lose style for right singing. You know, if you're a fantastic technician, you will be boring AF, right? Um, Or you just won't be an artist. You'll be a, you could be a very good technician and they're, they're definitely careers for that and, and places for that. But you can have three raspy notes to your name, but if you make the audience cry, you're going to have success because that's the, that's the role of the artist. The, the artist, no matter what art and discipline you're in, paint, you know, I, I've stood in front of three paintings in my life and, and cried. Klimt, Kandinsky, Helga von, uh, I'm going to mess up her last name. She actually predates Kandinsky and she was discovered recently because she, uh, when she died, she, she said she didn't want her work shown for a hundred years because the world wasn't ready for it. Um, Helga von, it's close to, uh, I have to look it up. I can't remember now, but it's at the Guggenheim and it's spectacular. Um, so an artist's job is to express authentically to move the audience. Our, we are here to serve the audience and not in a way to say to please them, but to actually move them. I'm going to share my experience with you so that you can experience it and, and have an emotional experience. And there's no right way to well, do that. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. Cause I, I remember, uh, you know, when we did this episode about 36 questions to you know, fall in love with anyone and mm-hmm. our sound engineer was like, okay, great. You got the story laid out. What do you want me to do? And I said, well, move the audience to tears. I don't know what else to tell you. And yes. I, that's why I love working with him because I can give him such a vague instruction and he can take that and he can make magic. That's um, phenomenal. So, so the part about yeah. Sarah, just to, just to give you that when I, the first session I have with every artist I work with um, is the foundation of being an artist. And it's really helping artists get back to why do I do what I do and what's getting in my way. And I like really killing that perfectionist. We all have it. It's again, the, the world shows it to us, gives it to us. We all have, a thousand things that people have told us we're supposed to be meant to be, should be. And eventually we turn that into our own voice and we think that it's us speaking to ourselves. Oh, I should do that. I should do that. And, um, and in my session with Sarah, when I was, we were talking and going through this process of just reconnecting to what you love about music and looking at the fears and things getting in the way and talking about the audience, right. And, and what is our role with the audience? And she actually gave it to me. Cause I asked her like, well, what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you move the audience? How do you connect with them? And I go through this process with people so that they can remember and or even just get conscious because some artists will say, oh, I've never even thought about this, right? Um, but how do you move your audience? And, and she said it. She said, I invite them in. And I was like, that's it. That was the, that was the, that was the sliver that I, had, I hadn't found yet. And that is that, you know, because the artist's job is not to project to the audience. It's not your job to like give and give and give yourself away because you can't, I can't give you my feelings and my emotions but I can be vulnerable. I can invite you into my life and experience. This podcast, you're asking questions. I can choose to be vulnerable or not. I can open up and let you in. And 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 as a result, you can have a, moved, a moving and emotional experience because I'm, I'm feeling my emotions. I'm allowing myself to connect to this, to where that question takes me. Wow. And then I get to share that with you. Wow, uh, amazing. So I just caught this in your bio. I you wrote Dreams on Fire for Slumdog? I did. Okay. So I wrote the lyrics. Well, then you know 
I'm sure having listened to the show, how many times I have mentioned uh, A.R. Rahman as probably one of my favorite artists. I'm guessing you know who that is. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've written with A.R. a number of times. Okay. Uh, um, it's funny because he's, he's my dream he's podcast guest. He's my definition of unmistakable. <laughs> oh. um, because I, I think what yeah. strikes me so much about his music, uh, his biographer uh, wrote this amazing book uh, called Notes on a Dream. And he said, you know, Air Ramon mm. is the definition of the phrase music has no language. And it's so oh, true yeah. because I don't understand a word of any of the lyrics because I don't speak Hindi. Um, but mm-hmm. so I, I wonder, okay, having worked with somebody like Air, worked with somebody like Sarah Bareilles, we see the end product of their work, right? We get to hear the music. We get to see the live shows. We get to see the beautiful movies. What don't we mm. see about the actual work that goes in it? What's the part that people miss about this? Like the reality versus the fantasy. Oh gosh. Well, every song that you ever write has your whole life in it. So maybe I'm writing a song with, uh, about a particular experience or relationship or anything, but all of me is in there. My, my whole history is in there. My, There'll be a line or there'll be an emotion or there'll be a point of view that that is not from the, let's say I'm writing about a specific relationship, but it could be about a relationship I had with a friend 10 years ago, but that plays, it's, it plays its way into the song. So I think that, you know, when somebody, like when we talk about the blood, sweat and tears of something, it's like, we really do pour all ourselves into something. When someone makes their first record, their entire life led up to that first record. And then they make their second record. They usually have about a year to do it if. So it, it, that's why the sophomore, there's often called the sophomore slump. It's like they had years to develop that first one and pick all the songs and this and that. And then that second one is like under pressure. <laughs> I can relate. Um, the same thing with writing a book. Like the first one was really easy. Yeah. And the second one was a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. And part of it is just like you're, it's just sort of this condensed moment, right? Um, and I think, I think sometimes, I mean, stage is a place to be so free and bold and a place to be that superhero. But, you know, every artist is a human. And when the, when the, we walk off stage, when someone's on tour, you know, being on tour is very lonely. You, it's, it's kind of, it's Groundhog Day, right? They, you go from show to show to show and you're, you're doing the same show each night for a different audience in a different city. But in many ways, it's the same day over and over again. And then, but it's with different people and in a different town and you come off of a show and you're in a bus or you're in a hotel room and you're alone. You have your, you have your uh, bandmates and such, right? And hopefully, I mean, the whole point of that is to pick a great crew of people that you love being around. That's essential. You know, being a good hang is, is so important. Being a, being a good hang is, is, is probably more important than the ability of your vocals, or whatever. Like there's a lot of great guitar players, but are you the guy that people want on the bus? Are you the woman that woman guy, any gender that people want to hang out with? Like that is so important. Are you cool to be around? And it doesn't mean you have to be like cool. It just means, are you cool to be around? Um, so I think, I think the humanity of it is often, um, uh, not recognized that that person's a human, that they, they have their insecurities that as, as we are striving to, express ourselves that the artist is and you mentioned like how do you how are you patient i mean the whole process it's there isn't a destination of oh i found my voice and i'm done even right so if you're having a lifelong career being a creative 
you're evolving as a person. So your voice is always also evolving. Like, oh, you're married, you had kids, you had a life experience. The way you want to say the next thing is going to be different. Oh, I traveled, I traveled to Turkey and I found this influence of music that I love. I want to incorporate that. So it's not that you find your voice and you're done. It's that we get better and better at expressing ourselves. And then who we are continues to evolve, hopefully. Uh, if not, you're in trouble. And so therefore, so does your art. Um, and I, so I think, I think the humanity can be forgotten that, that this is a person and there, there's a person doing their job. And the job is also has, has its ups and downs. The job has its struggles. The job has its least favorite parts. Um, the other thing I think that is so important, and I, I do want to speak to, towards A.R. Rahman because he's a remarkable person and I love working with him. Um, I want to speak to that a little bit. Um, but one thing I would love to, like, I think that the audience needs to be educated again. And that is that it's the artist's job to move the audience, to take them on a ride. And what we often forget, I think the audience starts to worship the artist. Like, oh my God, you're amazing. Thank you. Oh, you know, and, and we, and the audience starts to really worship the artist. And what's important to realize is that that artist isn't meant to be your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or they aren't responsible for your experience. Yes, we are because they're, they're giving it to you, right? They're, they're creating this opportunity for you to have, be vulnerable and feel. But then the artist needs to recognize and say, Oh my gosh, I'm having all these feelings. Oh my gosh, I'm being vulnerable. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is me. This is, I am, I have the power to do this. And I can turn to that artist and say, thank you. Thank you for giving me this experience. It's fabulous. I love you for that. But we own our experience and not credit the artist with, oh, without you, I can't have this experience. And that's where I think we get, you know, the sort of wild fan part or or even sometimes like the disrespect give me more give me more i need you to have this and, and you don't like you're having an emotional experience own it enjoy it know that you can you can have that in so many different ways and with so many different um uh, catalysts for it if that makes sense like i think the the celebrity worship is not where it's at but to be empowered by the experience Yeah. Um, but back to AR. What I I mean, he's he's an incredible musician, incredible art composer. Things that I I we've written a number of songs together and, and I I part of my journey of, of India is like really connecting with a few people that are to me my soul family and and just drew me to India. Uh, Shabana Azmi was the catalyst for that. And and when I heard AR's music, it was the catalyst for me understanding. I, I made a record that's unfinished. It's it's a Western record with Indian rhythms and instruments and sounds, and it was just my total draw to uh, uh, this record. This is this is what I've been looking for, and I got drawn to India. Um, and AR, it, talk about full circle conversation here. When when I met him, I I told him I said I have I actually handed it to him. I said this is an album I'm working on. These are like this is the you know, studio stuff I'm working on right now. And I, I really believe you're meant to put your hands on this. I would love to work with you and I'll be in India next month. And uh, he said, okay, cool. And a couple people introduced me to him to say, you know, you should meet Wendy. And, um, and so there was like a little bit of that respect, but mostly AR is very open. He loves finding new talent. He loves working with people outside in different 
musical genres. So his openness uh, is is such a, a, that's the beauty right there. Like that's the starting point. And then um, I reached out, I reached out and he, he responded directly and said, here's my number. Call me when you're in, in um, Mumbai. And Cut forward, cut forward, cut forward a few times because um, he he wanted he was interested in having me teach at his conservatory for voice. I did a workshop for uh, some teachers there, and but moving forward, we were sitting in his studio and um, and he asked me. And this is after we'd been working for a while, and I think he asked me like, "How did you like find me, or how how did this? How did no?" He asked like, "How did you get to India? Like what how, how, how did this happen?" And it's quite a long, phenomenal story. And every step of it is magic. Every step of it is truly uh, like really me following my intuition. And and I just felt like I got held by the hand over and over and said, here we go. Ready for this next adventure? Here we go. Um, but one of the things was, I, I told him, I said, this voice in my head said, remember that movie you watched about seven years ago? Watch it again. And I said, and I, I couldn't stop watching it. Like I, I just was mesmerized by it. And it and it got me to then watch all these other movies that Shabana Azmi was in. It got me to listen. The third, the third movie I watched was Morning Raga, which is where I heard Carnatic music. And a week later, I was sitting uh, in Queens with someone and studying Carnatic, and uh, which is South Indian classical music. And then I, in Mumbai, I was introduced to um, my dance teacher, um, and she, 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 I was learning Mohiniyattam, which is also South Indian classical. So. Um, but I studied Bharatanatyam first with, for like, I didn't even study it. I had a couple lessons with one of the most renowned dancers of uh, Southern India. Um, she, I saw her in the movie with Raj Kapoor and I go into my Googling, you know, uh, uh, rabbit hole and I come to find out she has a dance studio in New Jersey and I call and she's in, I, I want to remember names. And as soon as I want names, um, they elude my brain. So uh, this was Padminiji. She was the Tagalore sisters. So she was in this film with Raj Kapoor from the thirties or four. Uh, no, no, not the thirties. Sorry. It's a black and white film, but I think it's from the late fifties. And I go to New Jersey and I'm taking my very first Indian classical dance class with like, you know, the iconic dancer of India. And then I got led to my teacher uh, to teach, to, uh, to study the, the Mohiniyattam, which is kind of the sister with Karnatic. So, sorry, back to AR. So, I got led step by step by step. I, I met Shabana G in um, New York with Javed Saab. Uh, one of the first songs I learned, I thought it was in Hindi, but it's in Urdu, um, was a song that he wrote with AR from her from a film. I learned it from the film. I loved this song, so I just I learned it. I ended up recording it. And so AR says to me, so what's the first film? Well, the first film that sent all of this was called Fire. And it was an indie film, not a Bollywood film. Um, one of a trilogy. And in it, it's the story is of two women who are sister-in-laws and they fall in love with each other. So it's a lesbian themed film. Shabana Azmi is the lead in it. Um, Mira Nair made that, didn't she? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and AR says to me, oh, yes, that script. And this is, a, again, a quality about him I, I absolutely love. So he's a Sufi, uh, a very, you know, practicing devout Sufi. And this film has a lesbian love story. 
And he said, yeah, I, I got the script and I thought, oh, I can't do this movie. He said, and then I thought about it and said, no, no, I, I should do this movie. Like, and again, I'm not going to remember our exact conversation. I shouldn't try to quote him, you know, put words in his mouth. But basically what he said was, if I can't, if I can't use my music and show love in the world and be loving to all people in the world, right? It made him, he thought twice about it. He opened his heart to it. He embraced it. And that says so much about who he is as a person. And and one of the things I thought of in life with this, with making music, with my being queer, with my, with, I mean, there were opportunities, a hundred percent, I was like almost sexually assaulted more than once. And actually I was definitely inappropriately I was, I was behaved with inappropriate many times in my life, especially like as a 17 year old around. I mean, I could tell you things that happened, you know, music producer calling me at one in the morning. And, um, I walked out of a hotel room. Thank God I got, I was able to walk out of the hotel room when I was there just going, I want to make music. You know, I, I'm talented. Like, isn't that what it's about? Um, and when I worked with AR I, and I thought, Maybe some things are going to take me longer. Maybe some things I'll never experience, but maybe some things are going to take me longer because of who I am, because of my, my own path, my integrity, choices I will and won't make. But this is the kind of person that I am fortunate and I get to work with. A really incredibly talented, open-hearted, thoughtful, conscious, philosophical person. This is, this is who I get to work with. Mm. Yeah. because i i can't do the other yeah so it's funny i, I you know I, I pulled up a quote from his biographer krishna thrilok who said you know most people who interact with the man say he has an amazing ability to listen and absorb information he constantly asks himself how can he do things better do things differently and when he talks about the films he wants to make one thing that quickly becomes apparent is that he wants to make movies unlike anything made in india before and Mm. That's so true to me because like I said, I often usually will watch a movie uh, with an AR or my own soundtrack only for the soundtrack. And the funny thing is I feel like when I listen to a movie where the music is done by AR Rahman, I can basically listen to him. Like there's only one person who could have done that. It's AR Rahman. Like it's such a distinctive yeah. sound. Um, I, you probably saw it. He did yes. this documentary on Netflix where he goes around India working, you know, with all these different artists, uh, you know, who are nobodies in comparison to him. But he goes to every single one of them mm -hmm. with this just level of humility that is remarkable for somebody as well-known as he is. That really struck me. And I think that um, this is actually a nice place to bring us sort of full circle uh, you know, to what we were talking about, I think, before we hit record here. Um, the line that struck me most, in fact, I ended up writing a blog post about this uh, from that movie. And it was really, I think I needed to hear that. I was right after I, I finished writing Audience of One. He says that when you expect nothing, everything comes to you. And that mm. is such a mm. hard thing for artists who are so passionate about their work to comprehend and to grasp and to embrace. I, I think that's a hard human thing. Oh, one correction I want to make. Um, fire was by Deepa Mehta. Oh, okay. The, the, the trilogy is Water, Fire, and Earth. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. I, I I said as soon as I want a name, it absolutely my brain like throws a curtain over it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so back back here, I think that 
Oh, yeah, it, this is a struggle, right? Like, what are our, what are what are our expectations? They are often our desires, right? Our desire to reach a lot of people, to touch a lot of people, um, our desire, like, so I think our expectations are often sort of the outcome we want to happen, right? Um, and they're not bad. Gosh, without them, I don't think we'd be motivated. But absolutely, his, if, can we shift our expectation to be something that will lead us to a more successful experience, which is, what is my expectation to go and connect with this person? What is my expectation to show up and uh, give my talents and my heart to the moment? If we if we align ourselves with what we can control and not what we want, and if we can bring ourselves to the moment with that kind of openness and, and willingness, then yes, I think absolutely magic does happen. And what you described that he, he meets people on such a open human level that you are going to get magic. And then that other person's going to open up so much. Um, And I do think that great artists and I think that uh, many, many successful artists, I mean, I'd like more of them to be, but I think that many successful creatives are that way. I mean, we know what we came through. We know what the, our own struggles, like, and you know that some corner of the earth, someone who does, has no TV and is playing a guitar is, is doing things that you've never seen someone do before. And if you just got a chance to hear them, you'd be wowed. Yeah. Um, you know, what we get exposed to in the world and what exists in the world is very different. There are a lot of incredible singers. A lot. I mean, the human the human body is designed to sing. We are all born to sing. There are a lot of great singers. Everyone isn't born to be the artist, the messenger. Everyone doesn't want to be on stage. So there's so like, but somebody with a beautiful voice sharing that with their family, themselves, their neighbors, like there's so much to contribute to the world when we we open our hearts. So I think that, yeah, that's, that's just beautiful. Wow. That's beautiful. Wow. Well, I have two uh, final questions for you. I, I love the fact that you have spent so much time in India, particularly as uh, a creative and coming from a culture where the funny thing is that we celebrate creativity, we celebrate artists and paradoxically, we also discourage people from pursuing the arts as totally. a career. Uh, totally. uh, with the amount of, <laughs> I, I even wrote jokingly in our audience of one that I think a lot of Indian people think that the books they read and the music they hear all falls from the sky. I'm like, no, somebody is out there doing this and making all this stuff. <laughs> and they have chosen to risk yes. you know, security, their own security for your enjoyment and your entertainment. And yeah. um, so I wonder like, <laughs> what you saw in terms of cultural dynamics there in terms of artists, particularly with younger artists, because I think that that was the thing that also I just absolutely loved when I heard about Ars Conservatory. I thought, yes, this is a guy who is encouraging mm. Indians. This is why I want to have a conversation with him so badly, because I'm just like, there's so much here mm. that I want to explore. Um, but there's something just beautiful about that. And yet there's this tension of our cultural narrative of, you know, go become a doctor, lawyer, engineer. And I wonder what you saw in terms of that dynamic. Yeah. So interesting. Um, That's exactly what I saw. I saw a culture that music dance is a part of life. 
And that is so beautiful, you know, that in some ways it's less precious. Oh, this concert, this, this, this experience, like will go on for 24 hours. So we'll just go in and out to hear the music and go get food and the, the kids will sleep and then we'll wake up and then we'll listen to music again. Like the fact that music and dance is a part of everyone's life makes for a better culture. I mean, it makes for a better life. Again, song, dance, they're both healing. You only need your body to make it happen. Um, they are incredibly healing experiences, transformative experiences. So I love that it's part of culture. I think, again, that that conflict of, yes, it's a part of our life, but it's not your career. That just goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where parents think, oh, this is where security is. And all parents want to know that their kids will be okay without them. I think that's really where that comes from. <laughs> like, I want to know that you'll be financially okay, that you'll be able to take care of yourself and then you're going to have a family. You'll be able to take care of them. So, um, but it also, it made me giggle because I'm like, you have a huge industry and a huge space for career. Um, AR, we talked about the conservatory. As I said, he was interested in having me teach Western voice there. And I talked to him about training teachers so that, Actually, we could train teachers so that you then are giving a career to people within your own culture and country to then teach more people, right? So we're empowering layers and layers and generations. And yes, his vision was that, you know, he said I, he records orchestras in Poland and London and elsewhere. Um, and so a very long-term plan of saying, if we start now, we could have an orchestra in this country, you know, in, in a, what, a couple decades so those those big those big visions are beautiful those and and you can't have them without some expectation right like here's the vision so let's let's now create the possibility let's create the journey for it and the, and the path for it uh, which is very beautiful um i i love i love india i i love every single thing i ate there i loved my experiences there the people i have very good friends there that i adore i loved making music which was also, again, in its own language, um, Jaswinder Singh became, uh, he works with, um, he's a beautiful Ghazal singer, and he works with Shabana and Javed in a play called Café Orme, which I'm probably not pronouncing properly. And um, when I was making my music there, he became this wonderful conduit between the Western and the Eastern, because, like I said, I recorded every instrument that I fell in love with. Um, so we were doing like, uh, for example, we'd have the tabla player and the sitar player and the madal and, and some of the just even fun language, like music is universal, but there's also these funny little things. So, um, they would record something, for example, and we'd say, okay, let's double it. And they'd look at us with like no rec recognition of what does that mean? And he'd say, oh, the B side. So. Our, our language for it is double it, meaning do the same thing again. We'll, we'll double the sound. And their, their term was the B side. So I was like, Oh, thank you, Joss. You're <laughs> now we can communicate. Um, and so that just, it's, it is music is such a, a universal language and, and art. You know, when you're a musician, when you're, you have family everywhere, you have kindred spirits, you have really family. Like you make music, you have, you're, you have an invitation into a family everywhere. And you really do connect and meet people. And it, it took me a minute to realize, like, whenever I would fly on a plane, for example, and people ask, you know, oh, what do you do? Eh, yeah, I'm a I'm an artist coach. I train recording artists. I would immediately get somebody's, like, 
heart open up. Oh, I sang in choir when I was in the fourth grade and I did this play and I did this music. I would get everybody's history around music. And they would, we'd open up a, a world of conversation. Now, if I, and it, again, I didn't realize for a long time, like, oh, as soon as I say that, everybody like lights up and connects to their experience and their love of music. And maybe they start talking to me about their favorite artist or, you know, they ask me questions. And I was like, oh yeah, if I said I had a different profession, I, I wouldn't have had that conversation. And And that's the love of music. That's the, that's the connection all human beings have to, to music, to singing. Wow. Beautiful. Uh, well, what a beautiful place to bring us full circle. Uh, I have one last question for you, which I know you've heard me ask. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? <sighs> being true to themselves, like knowing who they are and being true to who they are. I, I find mm. that also to be just the most attractive quality. Like what is attractive about somebody? someone who's radiating themselves. Amazing. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your uh, story, your wisdom, and uh, you know, dozens and dozens of poetic sound bites uh, with our listeners. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate I know this because I, I, I marked, I, I literally marked every single one of them. I was like, wow, I mean, this is going to make for a really good article. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, where can people find out more about you, your work, and everything you're up to? So my website is my name, Wendy Parr, P-A-R-R dot com. And um, I have some incredibly exciting things coming out uh, in the next few months. I've been working... Um, taking all these things that I do with artists one-on-one -on -one, and I've created online courses and I've been doing for the last number of years, uh, an in-person experience. That's really about connecting creatives to one another. Uh, if you could think of it as like a support group meets a networking experience, because again, I'm, I'm really about humanity and, and connecting people on a real level, not on a who's in the room that can help my career, but getting to know people and their, who they are and their stories and experiences. And, and from that people connect. I'm like, you're the coolest person. We had to hang out more. And then, you know, two people got married. These people made a record together. <laughs> um, so on my website, you'll find all kinds of cool stuff. And, and there's some really neat things coming of online classes. Um, like I said, that killing of the perfectionist, that just aligning to find your voice being your North star that's called uh, Blueprint. That's the first course in the pathway. And really just finding, I, I, like I said, I love empowering people. And I think that empowering someone is helping them know themselves and listen to themselves. And so um, that's where I'm at. That's what I've been busy doing and more coming in that direction of just empowering artists and connecting artists with other artists to really have that family connection, that support group, that person and those people that not only can you create with, but you can also just lean on and reach out to and talk to. Amazing. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. 
code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The best way to give someone a gift they'll never forget is to give a gift they'll always use. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. And a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. But American Giant makes a lot more than just hoodies. They have impossibly comfy sweaters, classic t-shirts, soft, structured sweatpants, even classic everyday denim, all made right here in the USA, with a quality you'll have to feel to believe. Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code GRATEFULAG23. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. 
This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.